Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Joining me today are interior designers, Erin and Lena of The Curated Nest. Erin and Lena first bonded over beautiful designs and burritos as sleep-deprived new moms at a mommy meetup in Brooklyn, New York. They had an instant design connection, and with 20-plus combined years of experience in both interior design and client-focused business, forming a partnership was easy. In this episode, they'll discuss how Curated Nest helps their clients achieve an organized environment, how to conceal kids' toys with storage solutions, minimalist design, and how it applies to families, and much more. Jumping into my minimalist resource for you this week, I want to talk about my planner that I currently am using. So I currently use the homeschool planner from Other Goose and Simplified Planner. They did a collaboration this year for homeschooling parents. I'm sure I've stressed the significance of having a tangible planner before on the show. However, I sat down today and I was struck by how important it is to my daily and weekly success. Unfortunately, I can't solely rely on digital planning tools as much as I love these two. And I just love that I can lay it flat and I can see my entire month at a glance as I personally have written it down. And I have yet to find any digital planning tool that can mimic exactly what I want to do to stay organized. And I remember reading recently, someone shared that Their planner was like a puzzle that allowed them to see where work, play, and everything in between would intersect. And I truly felt like that today when I sat down. Some of my closest friends are my sister, my sister-in-law, and my cousin. And our little group tries to get together once a month, but we're finding it really difficult to schedule this fall. So I sat down today with my planner in front of me and, like a puzzle, was trying to figure out where can I make this work, what days are available, When can I possibly get a sitter? When can my husband take over? And I find that that has been more difficult to see in any digital planning tool. If you feel like you found one, send it my way because I'm absolutely interested in keeping track online and it would be nice to have a fully shared calendar with my husband outside of the Apple iPhone calendar. But I feel like if it's not broken, why fix it? So my personal planner that I have been using is the homeschool planner from Other Goose and Simplified Planner. And this is in no way sponsored. I just think that Erin Lochner is fabulous. She is the creator and founder of Other Goose, and I wanted to support this new venture of hers with Simplified Planner. So don't feel any pressure to purchase the Other Goose homeschooling planner, especially if you're not a homeschooling mom. However, for me, I do like the size of this one, and I don't need another notebook along with my planner to stay organized. I'll be sure to put a link for this one in the show notes. But again, if you have any suggestions for a digital planning tool that I can see my entire month, send them my way. All right, let's get into this conversation with The Curated Nest. You guys are a great team, The Curated Nest, and I want to hear more about you two, your business, how it came about, and then we're going to talk about minimalist design in regards to our children's environments and toy solutions. So why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, and we will get into the conversation. So my name's Erin. I live in uh, Westchester, New York. Uh, my background was always interior design. And 
basically my entire philosophy and how I looked at designing houses changed when I had young children. And Lena and I met in a, a mom meetup group, actually. And we really hit it off and we're constantly hearing from our friends who are having young children and they just were not putting any effort in their house thinking that, you know, they had to wait until their kids are older to have nice things. And Lena and I, we really got together and tried to brainstorm a better way of how we can work with families uh, to have nice things that can hold up to busy families and make them happier in their home. Yeah. And um, after that mom meetup back in the day, we decided to create a business and really use that everything Aaron said as our philosophy. And the message, it's its incredible. The message has resonated so well. On our website, we wrote up what we thought was good. And, and literally every client that calls us is like, I read your website. I love the message. That's always the first thing they say. It's not, you know, I love the portfolio, which, you know, they also like, but that was always the first thing. And so we knew we had stumbled on something really good and special. So that's what we based our business on. I live in Southport, Connecticut, which is about an hour away from where Aaron is. And we have a lovely interior design studio in Greenwich, Connecticut, where we have a team of about eight people. I like what you said earlier. You said that parents would say, we can't have nice things because we have kids in our home. I would say I don't have, well, I have nice older things. I really enjoy antiquing, but I try not to buy anything too new because I hate when things are ruined by the kids. But in regards to design, I mean, if you walk into our house, I wouldn't say that you would know right away that kids live here. And maybe some people don't like that. Maybe some people want to know that kids live there, but I would say we're pretty good about keeping the kids things in their spaces. And then we have books in the one room, but we really try to make it so that we also enjoy our space. Would you say that that's something that you try to help people with? Absolutely. I'd say most of our clients, they want their house to really function for their family, but they don't want every single room to look like a playroom. And that was one of the things that we were seeing when, you know, we were just starting our company is that all of our friends, they would make their formal living room a playroom. And we were really like, it it hurt because our clients were having like beautiful, like first homes. They're moving out of the city for the most part. And they just, they're lost. They're not sure where nice thing fits into young kids. And so we really work with them to come up with storage solutions, performance fabrics, making sure that they can feel comfortable living in their space, but it's going to hold up to, you know, their growing family. Yeah. And kind of how you said, Diane, we're all about the zones. So like the way that you have, you know, the books for the kids in a special space, we definitely approach homes for families exactly in that manner. So we figure out how old are the kids? What are they like? What activities are they into? And then we take it from there and really start developing a plan for how people are going to manage their things, whether it's a storage solution or creating special zones for special activities. Mm -hmm. So we'll see a lot of arts and crafts areas, or maybe there's a study area that's dedicated for that. And maybe there's an open play area or a special storage piece that houses all the Legos and the little tiny toys that need to be played with in a certain space. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the family and, and the children's preferences. But the whole approach is really 
to make it feel integrated into the house, mm-hmm. all the toys and, and clutter, really make it feel integrated versus just being out or being displayed on kids' furniture, which can sure. sometimes not be as designer friendly. I'll <laughs> put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that talking about that, you both have seen several homes at this point and have helped women and helped moms get creative with their storage solutions. So I'm wondering for the mom listening that, I mean, my whole point in my show is I wanted to clutter the home of overwhelm and clutter, but again, we are moms and obviously we're going to have toys around our house. So what have been some creative solutions for concealing the toys that may be a little bit more appealing to the eye, if you will? So a lot of times what we do is we'll bring in adult, quote, adult pieces of furniture. And that could be anything from a beautiful bookcase to creating built-ins from scratch and designing them, a credenza, a buffet, any, we call them case pieces. It's like anything where you can house toys or anything else. It, It could be dishes. It could be toys. There's nothing wrong with that. So a lot of times we'll really think hard about, okay, so this beautiful uh, console or, or credenza is going behind a sofa. Are there going to be kids' activities in this room? Maybe because it's a space that's shared with adults, it'll be more like board games or puzzles or games that adults might play with their kids. But it's, it's certainly something we think about when we're designing a floor plan. To give kind of an example of one of the things I did in my own house is in my formal living room, I didn't want it to be a space where the kids do not feel comfortable to be in. But at the same time, I did not want to have an area with toys exposed. So I opted to actually have a really beautiful bowl on a coffee table. The coffee table is hammered metal. So nothing can basically damage it. If anything hits it, it's already hammered. The marks are there, even though it brings a really lovely texture to the room. And then inside the bowl, I have really pretty wood um, stacking blocks that actually can be made into like a castle. So my kids love to sit there and build really tall sculptures and buildings. And if it falls, it's not going to damage the table. So in their mind, they're seeing, oh, you know, we have toys in our living room. But in my mind, I see really pretty decorative wood blocks on, you know, a beautiful hammered metal table. Definitely. Again, I don't mind if the toys are in their room. I just don't like the overflow of in the communal areas. That's what I try to avoid. That's not always going to be the case, but if we can have the storage elsewhere, that makes me happy here. Exactly. And I think it's one of those scenarios where it's a slippery slope. You know, kids are going to want to gravitate towards mom and dad, especially when they're young. And so, you know, slowly over time, you're going to see that toys are going to end up in most of the rooms. So we always want to look at, you know, where's the bulk of the the items going to be stored, but realistically, you need to have a place for everything to be housed so that way you're not running back and forth for everything. It's not always sitting out. Everything has a place to go, but it's not going to be out, you know, staring you in the face. Nowadays, you know, so many people are working from home and it's just overstimulation to just be looking at tchotchkes and accessories and and toys. And it's like, you just, you want your eyes to just relax. You need sanctuary. So thinking through and where everything is going to be stored and how it's going to be concealed, but still functional is, is really important nowadays. I'm wondering if at this point in time, because minimalism has been 
I guess it's been trendy for probably about five years now. I mean, it's always been appealing to some, but do you see more of your clients asking for simpler, more minimalist spaces? I don't know that they start off asking for that, but I think if they've hired us, it's because they've seen our portfolio and we do tend to go for a more minimalist approach in our decor. We tend to shy away from a lot of embellishments or tchotchkes, like Aaron said. It's kind of a less is more approach. Like uh, when we're designing, say, a bookshelf or um, a wall that's going to have art, we're going to focus on let's pick one focal point and make that awesome. And the rest can be the supporting cast. And we don't need everything to be interesting. We don't need everything to to have (laughs) a voice in the design. So I would say we approach every space that way. And we don't like a lot of visual clutter, even when it comes to patterns or colors. I, I feel like most of our rooms have a limited color palette or a limited selection of patterns. So they're still, they're still interesting, but um, there's ways to create visual interest without making it feel cluttered. So, I mean, going back to your question, I don't think people come to us saying, I want minimalism, but they all come to us saying, I don't want clutter <laughs> and I need better storage solutions. It's kind of all the, the same theme that we're seeing repeat itself over and over. Erin, did you have anything to add? I mean, I think that Lena explained it really well. Um, you know, now that everyone is is really home, they don't want to have, you know, items all over the place. Less is really more. Mm-hmm. And we always want to emphasize architectural details. That's really something that sets the stage in a home. So, you know, we might end up having like one focal point in the room, whether it's the architecture of the space, an interesting wallpaper on the wall, and then the other items just kind of kind of sit to the side um, and let the the focal point really speak. So how would you say that minimalism creates the style of design, but also like the feeling in the home? You were talking about how moms do not like their space to feel overwhelmed. And I mean, I talk about that all the time. I don't want to enter my home into the entryway and have it be totally cluttered because then you just, you do carry that. How would you say that minimalism helps to create that feeling? Oh, for sure. I mean, one example is in kitchens. Kitchens are often the most cluttered spaces. Honestly, if I go into a cluttered kitchen, I I get anxiety. Um, And I think a lot of people feel that without even really realizing it until they declutter. So one thing that we're seeing specifically in kitchens, because we do a lot of kitchen renovations, is the use of clever storage solutions. So appliance garages are a really good example. Those have been around for a long time, but I think now they're becoming more of a staple. And that's uh, basically a cabinet where you can store all the appliances that you're not necessarily using multiple times a day. So in a lot of cases, that's a blender, a toaster, toaster oven, maybe it's a baby food maker or a bottle sterilizer, things like that, that you don't necessarily need to be out and on hand are getting tucked away. And that's a really nice way to decrease visual clutter, especially because those appliances are often not that great looking. So, so that's that's one example, but I think more and more clever solutions like that are getting used in kitchens, bathrooms, playrooms, offices, all sorts of spaces. And to kind of tie into the idea of kitchen and being minimalist, the new trend that a lot of people are wanting is exposed shelves. Exposed shelves 
while it can give a really nice place to add some textures and a more open feel to a kitchen, if one of our clients specifically says that they don't like to have clutter, they like to have everything put away and feel clean, that would be one where we would not propose, you know, open, open storage because it's just never going to be used the way that they want it to be used. Um, so we're always looking at, you know, putting together a design for each client that's customized to them. Yeah. And, and I would also so add to that and say that, I mean, we do counsel our clients on, you know, we're not professional organizers by any means, but we do counsel our clients on perhaps if you're investing in your home, if you've hired us, it's a big, it's a big deal. You're, you're redoing your whole space. Um, it, it makes sense to maybe be more thoughtful about their possessions and maybe do a purge before we actually implement our design. And sometimes we'll actually refer our clients to professional organizers. We have several that we partner with and that are wonderful and they can help clients kind of sort through the things that are truly essential for their well-being. Absolutely. So I always like to leave my listeners with some practical tips that they can take and use because you can hear things on a podcast, but then it's like, okay, well that works for them, but what do I walk away with? So what is some encouragement you have to help people in regards to interior design to become more minimalist, to become more simple? I would probably say walk through all the spaces in your house and see what is it that you really need? What is the function of each room? Um, How does it flow from one space to the other? And that's where you're really going to be able to determine, do I need to have storage for toys? Is this really going to be more for entertaining? So you don't have to have each room function for every purpose. You know, less is really more. And the less furniture you have where it's it's thoughtfully selected and laid out is going to open up your spaces to just feel cleaner and less, less busy. Yeah, I think it it really comes down to function. It really does. If you're planning to have a handful of toys in the communal spaces, be thoughtful about what those are. You know, in your dining room where you're entertaining is not the place to have the big noisy toys with lights and sounds that can stay in the kids' room or in a playroom. So so that so that's important is is really thinking about how you're going to experience the space. And then I would say also think about the spaces where you come into the house, whether that's a foyer or a mudroom. It's really important to have that moment of, okay, I walked into my house. Now I can relax. It's like, this is my happy place. You don't really want that space to be stressful. (laughs) So definitely focus on those areas. And I think that is a good start for any family out there. Okay. I have one last question that just came to mind. That's more personal to you guys. You both have kids and I'm wondering what it looks like for you both in your spaces. Obviously no one's perfect, but do you feel like you live out the minimalist design and or keeping clutter at bay in your own spaces? Or if you don't, which obviously no one's perfect, but uh, if you don't, what has been a hangup that you have been working through? So I I would probably say that while interior design is definitely my my specialty, I will never call myself a professional organizer. Uh, I take my hats off to them. I 
I'm so busy that I will not always put everything back in the place that it needs to go to. So I think that's always something that I'm striving to improve on, but really putting together the foundation so you can succeed and making sure that everything has a place to go. I think that for me is is something that's like very important of just making sure everything is very well thought through. In terms of accessories, I'm very much less is more. I do not have 25 pictures on a console table of my family and I know that's important to some, but for me, it just, that's not how we function and how we live. But that really comes down to, you know, every person is different and how you kind of take the the concept of minimalism and how it works for you personally. Yeah. What about you, Lena? The way that I practice minimalism is I'm a huge purger. I go through my closet once a year and I just get rid of tons of stuff. Even if it's something that I like, like if I haven't worn it in a year, it's out. Um, I I would say I kind of do the whole Marie Kondo approach to that. And same with my kids' toys, same with books, all sorts of things. I I freak out when my husband goes to Target because I know he's going to come back with a bunch of uh, lawn toys and all sorts of things. And it drives me crazy. So I'm definitely thoughtful about curating my possessions Mm -hmm. in terms of actually keeping things tidy and uncluttered. I am not personally, I'm not very good at that. I find that if there is an open space, I'm going to put something on it. So, I mean, with that in mind, with all our flaws, we do try to design spaces for clients where there is a place for everything. Mm -hmm. So if you're just going to throw mail on your kitchen Island, when you walk in, why not put a nice tray wherever it's appropriate near Mm -hmm. nearby where you can put your mail? So we're always thinking about that sort of thing. No, I just wanted to ask because I always want to be realistic with myself and my guests that I have on here that it's easier said than done. And you can design a beautiful space, both of you, when you go in with curated nest and doesn't mean that it stays that way, honestly, even a day after you leave. So, I mean, you can set it all up and have the landing spaces. And I love the idea of a home for everything. Everything has a home. Everything has a place. I wrote about that in my book. If something doesn't have a home, I'm like, okay, we need to either figure out a home for this thing or it's out. And one of the things that I've done with my husband, I think I've said this on a previous podcast, but if you find those things, if you're going through and you're doing a purge of some sort, I have a box that I will go through and do that with. And then everything that I've come across that I don't have a home for, my husband gets to go through that box and then he can toss and or recycle whatever has not like whatever I've gone through. And now it's his turn to go through. That's kind of a way that we stay on top of it, but I'm looking at the room I'm sitting in right now. And it's, it's pretty heinous over here. This is not (laughs) your picture. Perfect Pinterest room, but getting uh, what's functional. You guys talked a lot about function. That is so important. And I think if we can get better, even about some of these things that it does make a difference. Absolutely. The foundation is really key when you're trying to figure out how you're going to to live and function in the house. Mudrooms, I feel like are always like a really great example. When you go into modern houses, like new construction, everyone loves the, you know, the open bench with the cute little hooks. But reality is when you have young kids, they're going to come in, they cannot reach the hooks. Their backpacks are in their coats are on a pile on the floor. So one of the things that we always love to say as a solution to that is instead of open seating, open storage, you know, to have more cubbies with concealed storage. Because no matter what, the kids are going to have jackets, they're going to have backpacks, they're going to have raincoats. It's not about purging, it's about everything having a place for it to go. 
Definitely. I used to be really good when I just had one child about rolling all of Charlotte's clothing in her dresser. And she was so little at the time that I could take full control of that. And she wasn't one to go in and pull everything out. Like my sons like to do. So at this point, (laughs) it's like this side is your shirts and this side are your shorts. And we switch it out for winter. This is your sweaters and these are your pants. And it just is what it is. But again, it's like concealed in their Ikea dresser. And so I think things like that, you just have to not look at maybe Marie Kondo is great, but that's not realistic for me as a mom and the season of littles. Exactly. You have to find what's right for you. Yeah, you do. And sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes it's, you know, hiring an organizer once a year. It's it's okay to, it's okay to need help. Or maybe instead of maintaining it perfectly on the day to day, you just recognize, you know, once a month, I'm going to go and do like a big tidy. You kind of have to just see how it works. We have clients where we leave and the next day it's a mess. And then some, we come back two months later and it's exactly how we left it. So definitely different styles of how people handle their things. Sure, sure. One thing I I would mention, I'm sure you've covered this in your podcast at some point, but is toy rotation. If you don't have space for all the toys, if you're like me, my in-laws and my parents give my kids so many toys. (laughs) and Somehow they just acquire stuff. I don't know how it happens. So I'll hide some of them you know, store them away. Not like they can't get them, but they forget about them. And then I'll switch them out occasionally. And they feel like they've gotten new toys and I've managed to, you know, cut the actual usable things in half, which saves space and decreases clutter. Yeah, absolutely. And I just did that for my son's birthday. He got, he had a decent amount of toys, but I just put not half of them, but I put some of them away in the basement and we've been pulling them out over the last week just so that he didn't get all of these Lego sets at once. And I love Lego sets and I'm happy to have, have him have those. And like Play-Doh, I'm like, you don't need all the Play-Doh out at once. So we've just slowly been giving those things to him and I'll probably keep some of it back for even longer. But yeah, that does help cut down on visual clutter and having way too much out. And if it's in the basement on our shelf that I have down there, it's like, I can manage this and it's not going to get chaotic. And I, I don't know. I, I I hate for this episode to sound like I'm such a control. Well, I am kind of a control freak. I have admitted that before, but I don't <laughs> want to sound like I'm completely rigid and I don't let my kids be kids. Cause that is absolutely okay too. Again, I told you I'm sitting in this room that is a complete mess right now, but I think that's why one, I do like to spend so much time outside so that we're not constantly creating messes inside the house, but two, it's, it's kind of a preference thing. And I feel more at peace when our home is a little bit more cleaned up. And I think my kids notice that too. So I think there is something to be said about trying to maintain as best as you can. Yeah, totally. And teaching your kids, you know, like, I mean, we were talking about this with our team the other day that remember when we were kids and there was rooms we couldn't even go into, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I mean, it's things have changed culturally, but I still think it's important to teach your kids to clean up after themselves. And if there is a home for toys to go or books to go, then they know, they know that's where it's supposed to go and they'll do it. Sure. Great. Well, do you, who wants to say where we can find you? And then I have two questions. I'll let each of you choose one that you want to answer. So where can people connect with you if they want to find you online? Yeah. So we're curatednest.com and you can also find us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at curatednest. So 
pretty easy. And you can also email us at hello at curatednest.com. And we'll get back to you right away. Great. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you both the two questions I ask every guest. And you both can answer these very quickly, or one of you can take one of them. So I'm just going to give you both of them. The first one is, what is a resource that's been beneficial to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? And the second one is, what is something that you can't stop talking about? So however you guys want to answer those, those are my two final questions. That's a tough question. I can't stop talking about, and I think I don't know if it's a trend on our team, but we're always talking about arches these days, arches and curves in interior design. There's so much curved furniture out there. We love using arches when we're doing renovations. So I've just found that that has, like, we just submitted for an article on uh, the spruce.com, which is like a home blog, all about curves and arches. I think that's something we've been talking a lot about in-house and that I have in my house and that I've been noticing in other people's houses. So it's a little bit of an obsession right now. (laughs) And then for me, I think the biggest thing that I'm always trying to do is really explain to clients and to friends that social media is everywhere and everyone is trying to achieve this, this persona and this look of this perfect family and this perfect house. And reality is it's not like that for everyone. It's, it's, Our photo shoots, even that we do, you know, there's one side of how you see it and then there's the reality behind the scenes. And so I really try to make sure that we're not super big on being, you know, fake, whether we're on like social media or where we're talking to our clients. We want everyone to be comfortable. We want to be real. Real is not perfection and that is okay. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today on the podcast. This was great. And I hope that we help people with their own design in their spaces. And if they have any questions, I'm sure they can reach out to you. So thanks so much for joining me. Yes, we would love that. And thank you so much for having us. What did you think of the episode? If you enjoyed this conversation, I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review is the best way you can help this podcast continue to succeed and grow. Again, thank you to everyone who supports the Minimalist Moms by listening, leaving those rating and reviews, or following along on social media at Minimalist Moms Podcast. As always, I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com, and there you can find links to the Instagram account, my Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.